tonight we're going to talk about four principles of soul winning. And, uh, you know, last week, we, or the last time we're here, yeah, it'd be last Wednesday, we talked about that there are, this, a lot of times the sinners in chief become the soul winners in chief. Remember that sermon? Was that last Wednesday night? Was that too, what, what I preached on last Wednesday? Oh, I, think, I think it was soul winners in chief. Anybody remember? But anyway, this soul winning has been on my heart and how we need to become very perfected in soul winning. You can become a much better soul winner than you are presently, most likely, if you're like most people. I know I could, I can, I've got, how many have room for improvement? Amen. We all do. And you know, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirty, he that winneth souls is wise. Well, that, that's a two-edged sword. You've got to be wise to win souls, and the more you win souls, the wiser you get. That really comes from two different angles. He that wins souls is wise. Why? Because he wins souls, and that's what makes him wise. How many of you know when you do it, when you do something, you get, you're a lot smarter than the guy that just read the book on how to do it? Somebody say amen. You know, the guy who played football for 20 years really is a lot wiser about how to play football than the guy that read a book one time, a manual on how to play football once. So the more you win souls, the more you get wise. But there is an initial amount of wisdom that you better have before you embark upon the winning of other men's souls and the influencing of other men for God. And so we've got to understand that that really is a two-edged sword. You have to have wisdom to win souls in order to do it, and then you will gain greatly in wisdom as a result of doing it. So it's a powerful thing. And so I'm going to give you just four simple things tonight about winning souls. Things that you already know, but you really don't always know. Sometimes we think we know something, but we really don't know it. You know, like a, a man, you know, knows Ronald Reagan uh, because he read a book about him, but his wife really knew him. And, you know, we can know something on a level, but then we can really know something on another level. So lots of times when we preach the word and it seems a little redundant or like, you know what, I've heard this before, is because you need to know it better and you need to get that deeper into your heart knowledge and just and not just head knowledge. Can everybody say amen to that? You know, Acts 1.8, it says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And being full of the Holy Ghost and power is truly the greatest way to win souls. Jesus never did any ministry whatsoever until after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. If Jesus needed to have God anoint him with the Holy Ghost and power, and he never did a single sermon, he never did a single healing, he never did a single uh, you know, ministry of any kind, miracle, anything, turning water into wine, prior to that time, if it was his first miracle, that means there were no miracles prior to that. Can I get an amen? We know there were no sermons prior to that. We know that Jesus didn't do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon him in Luke 3.22, where it says the Holy Spirit descended upon him as in the form of a dove. And I'll tell you this, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing to understand that uh, Jesus is the one who has the Holy Spirit and the anointing compound. I, I like this scripture over there in Luke 4 and 18 where it says, Jesus stand up, stood up and declared in the synagogue, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. See, it says the Holy Spirit descended upon him as in the form of a dove. Can I get an amen? He didn't need the Holy Ghost to get saved because he never committed any sin and he didn't need to be born again. So why did he need the Holy Spirit to come upon him? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. So Luke 4.18 says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. If Jesus has to have the Holy Spirit come upon him and anoint him in order to preach the gospel to the poor, how much more do we need the Holy Ghost to come upon us to preach the gospel? You see, a lot of people think they can just flippantly not stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. What are you talking about, Pastor Bill? Well, that's great. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. But in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be not drunk wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, knowing what the will of the Lord is. See, you don't know what the will of the Lord is until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was never, never says he was led until he was filled with the Spirit in Luke 3.22. And then Luke 4.1, it says he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. There's no reference of him ever being led prior to that time. Now, he was good. He was obedient to his parents. He, he, he was sinless. But he didn't really have the leading of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, until the Spirit came upon him. But let's just go over there to Ephesians 5, 17 and 18, and let's look what it says, because it isn't good enough that you got filled with the Holy Spirit once. Everybody say, that's not good enough. Everybody say, that's not what the Bible teaches. You just get filled once, and it's all over. You don't have to ever concern yourself with it ever again. This is what the Bible actually teaches. It says, be not drunk. It says, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Anybody want to know what the will of the Lord is? Amen. Well, I'll read it to you right now. (laughs) Be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And in the Bible, it says, be ye being filled. Now, he told that to already born-again, Spirit-filled Christians to be filled with the Spirit. But that's because in the Greek, it says, be ye being, a continuous tense, where we always need to be being filled with the Spirit. And I could give you four ways to continually be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in hymn songs, spiritual songs, make them well in your heart. So basically, you can get filled with the Spirit by praying and asking for it, people laying hands on you, praise and worship time, speaking to yourselves in hymn psalms, having uh, just praying in tongues, and staying in the Word. All those things fill you with the Holy Spirit. All basic Christian disciplines and staying filled. So number one, we need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled. And that is, that is the thing. Why? Because we need power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You might be my witnesses. We're all stuck on doing witnessing. That's a very intellectual, cerebral thing. We do witnessing. But we're really not a witness. Doing witnessing doesn't work. Being a witness does work. Can I get an amen? Amen. Doing witnessing doesn't work. I've tried it. Being a witness does work. That's what changes people's hearts towards God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, Paul said, I did not come unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom. That's doing witnessing. I did not come unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom. That's doing witnessing. I did not come unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with power and demonstration of the Spirit, that your faith should not rest upon the wisdom of men, but the power of God. That's being a witness. Because you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. That's being a witness. So you can't be witness to a supernatural, power-filled gospel unless you come with a power-filled, supernatural demonstration. Why? Because Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What's the gospel of Christ? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now think about that. What's the gospel? Oh, it's witnessing. No, it isn't. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's not somebody witnessing to you. It's not somebody telling you doctrine. It's not even somebody telling you how to get saved. 
It's experiencing the power that changes your life or brings salvation to your life. It might be healing. It might be needing to get born again because you haven't yet. It might be a lot of different things, being delivered from demons, uh, having words of wisdom, words of knowledge. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God. Everybody say it's the power of God. What saved you was the power of God, not thinking. What saved you was the power of God, not doctrine. What saved you was the power of God that caused you to be born again. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. The word of God recreated your spirit, just like the word of God spoke and recreated the universe. I mean, created the universe. It was without form and void. It was really probably a recreation. You see, there's something very powerful about the word of God. There's something very powerful about the gospel. The gospel recreates things. The word of God recreates things. Being born again is a recreation. The creation of the world. You know, words were used for creation before they were used for communication. So we look here and we see uh, that it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Paul didn't come with enticing words of men's And my goodness, if anybody could have come with that, Paul could have. He was the most educated man probably that there ever was in, in, the, in the New Testament. He had the greatest education of any, of any of the people that were the Bible authors. So we know that uh, he, he came not with enticing words, but with power, because it's a gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Turn with me to John 4.48. See, you, we can't really deliver a supernatural product, which is salvation, without supernatural advertising. Can I get an amen? We can't deliver a supernatural salvation without some supernatural advertising. Turn to John, 4th chapter, and the 48th verse. So if you're, just gonna, if you're gonna just deliver an intellectual message and try to change somebody's mind, then you bring an intellectual message. And then you have them have an intellectual change. But they still aren't born again. An intellectual message will only maybe change somebody's mind intellectually. But if you want to bring a new birth and a spiritual, supernatural being born again, then you've got to bring a supernatural message with supernatural signs and wonders that the message is really supernatural. It has to have some supernatural validation. Can I get an amen? John 4.48, it says, Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see the signs and wonders, you will not believe. Do you know there's people not believing because there's no signs and wonders? That's why we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to have, you, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Power because people need that witness of power. I, I don't need a witness that somebody smarter than me has got a bunch of Christian doctrine memorized. I need a witness that that person's carrying power if I'm, if I'm uh, failing in life, I'm depressed, I'm sick, I'm suicidal, I... I've lost my family. I've lost all my money. I don't need somebody to bring me some intellectual thing that bears witness to my mind. I need somebody that can bear witness that there's some type of power out there that can help change my situation. Can I get an amen? See, when I got born again, I'll never forget it. My mom said before I went up to that dorm room at the University of Northern Iowa that night, she said, I'm going to pray for you and something very supernatural is going to happen to you tonight. I said, I'm depressed. I don't know where I'm going. I, don't, I want to quit school. I'm unhappy. She says, I'm going to pray, and something's going to happen tonight. Now, it would have been different. She says, I'm going to pray for you. It had been different. She says, something's going to happen. I believe God is going to do something. 
But it's really different when she says, I'm going to pray for you, and something's going to happen, and it's going to be tonight. And when I show up, I'd never sat in a dorm room before and have somebody knock on the door, and the door opens, and there's two guys standing there with Bibles wanting to witness to me. That had never happened prior to that time. Right then, I knew something supernatural was starting to happen. Right then. Supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. John says, except they see the signs and wonders. They you know what? I was ready to believe the message right then. Because all I could hear is my mom's words saying, something, I'm going to pray for you, and something's going to happen tonight. And I'm thinking, this is tonight, and here's the guys with the Bibles, and my mom's praying. Though you'd have to be stupid to not get it. I got saved and born again that night. Hallelujah. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I, was, I got saved, and, and I knew it, but I still wasn't getting victory over the depression. I knew I was saved. I knew I was going to heaven because they bore, you know, it says that it bears witness in your heart. We know that we pass a death in life because we have the witness, it says in 1 John. I had the witness. I knew I was saved, but I was still depressed. I think God let it be that way that I didn't get delivered from my depression until I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he wanted to show me how important it was too. And as soon as I spoke in tongues, I went from depressed to completely, ridiculously filled with joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I couldn't stop praying in tongues for three days. I mean, I'd, I'd been drunk before. I mean, that's just stupid. I mean, this is what... Joy is. This is what happiness is. I instantly said, this is it. This is uh, the high life. <laughs> and it was supernatural. I mean, you, you, I could have gone to a million uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, and drugs, and, and a million things for, for feeling terribly depressed, but I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and was completely filled with joy and never had that type of depression ever again. Somebody say Amen. It's because there are demons assigned to me to destroy me because I was called to preach. God showed me that many times after the fact. That wasn't just depression. That was demons that were assigned to destroy me. So I would never go and, and become a part of the ministry. Somebody say amen. See, you have to have the Holy Spirit too because, in, you know, Paul prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open the eyes of our understanding. You can never really preach the gospel that is a supernatural revelation until you have the Holy Spirit first revealing it to you. Can I get an amen? You can't be a revealer until you've been revealed too. And Paul prayed that they'd be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. He prayed that for the Ephesians. So you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit just so you can understand this whole thing. I know people have studied the Bible all their life, and I can tell they so don't get it. They so, and they're even Christians, and they so don't get it because they've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and had the real teacher. And they've had all their intellectual little t- human teachers, but I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. He is the revealer. He is the wisdom giver that no one can substitute for. So we can't just go in power. We need the Holy Spirit to be our revealer. 
And that's why, you know, it says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Then these signs will follow. Well, if you don't know how to preach the gospel because you don't understand it, you're not going to have signs and wonders following a gospel that you're preaching that you really don't understand and that you are preaching from a carnal level. God will verify his word when it's really supernaturally revealed word. Can I get an amen? So we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. Acts 4, 20-29, it says, you know, to pray, they prayed that... Uh, now grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they might preach thy word with boldness. And that signs and wonders be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. They prayed for two things. They prayed for a supernatural utterance. And they prayed for super... Which that utterance comes from knowing the word and having a revelation. And then they prayed for signs and wonders to follow. Amen? Let's go on number two. You need to be uh, willing to give an answer. So, so you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit can reveal things to you when you study your Bible. I remember when I studied my Bible before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I read the entire Bible before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Understood about this much. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, got more out of the first three sentences than I did out of the whole Bible before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on. It absolutely exploded with light and illumination. Exploded. First thing I did is read the whole Bible. I read through the whole Bible in, in weeks, a few weeks. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and man, I couldn't get off a verse some nights. I just sat there on two or three verses and just meditated and got more out of that than anything I'd ever done before in my life. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know how anybody could be a, hardly be a Christian without... Uh, having the Holy Spirit to illuminate the word to them. But, you know, we need to be able to give an answer. So we need the Holy Spirit first. Everybody say, we need the Holy Spirit first. We need to hear the word, believe it, and then get the Holy Spirit because he'll make you a witness to be able to go and speak to people too. Not only will you do supernatural things, but you'll speak supernatural things. You'll reveal and unfold and uncomplicate supernaturally the word. Can I get an amen? amen? You'll be able to make the word become clear into people's minds with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom is making a complicated thing simple. Stupidity is taking something simple and make it complicated. Many times, you know, permanent head damage occurs when we get a PhD. That's what it stands for, you know, permanent head damage. Because we so become intellectual, we forsake the spiritual where the real fountain of understanding comes from. Because prideful little people that try to exalt themselves many times. Now, PhD is good as long as you keep it subject to the, to the, to the master, the Holy Spirit, who is the ultimate teacher. And, and, I, and I, I don't make fun of that, but I'm just saying it's so sad that so many times people move away from the spiritual illumination the human, you know, understanding. But number two, we need to give an answer. Turn with me to 1 Peter 3.15. So you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, number one. And then you need to learn how to give an answer. Because you can't just sit there and do signs and wonders and, and then not give the gospel and answer people's questions. You know, I find this. You know, I sit with Team Christ down in the basement the last couple of years those guys just suck the life out of you. 
with questions. I, I, I'm answering things that I never knew that I could answer. I'm talking way above my pay grade. And when people start asking questions, God starts giving answers. It's supernatural. The best preaching and teaching I've ever done is sitting around in a, question, a Q&A session. Question and answers. It's supernatural how God will give answers. Everybody say, God gives answers when people seek. And then he'll, he'll use the preacher, the one who's got, probably the one who has the most word in the room, he'll probably use the greatest reservoir. He'll probably use them, not always, but he'll probably use them to bring the answers. And I'll tell you what, it's a powerful thing to see it when it operates. First Peter, okay, 3.15, let, let me read it. And it says this, it says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. In other words, get dedicated to him. Give yourself wholly to these things, Paul told Timothy. And be ready always. Everybody say always. Give an answer to every man. Everybody say every man. You know, always and every man is pretty all-inclusive. Always. That means every day, all day long at work with everybody that you work with. You are supposed to be the one to be able to answer everybody's questions all the time because you know the word, and they don't. Now, that's putting a lot on us, Pastor Bill. The Holy Spirit can bring the answers to you if you'll study the word. Amen. He'll he'll cause you to operate on a much higher level than your intellect if you'll look to your spirit where you've stored the word in your heart He'll bring that reservoir up like a deep well and start answering people's questions through you. That's what it, call, what it means to be an oracle of God. So when you begin to speak, suddenly he will begin to speak through you and begin to give answers to every man. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell you that. He, he wouldn't tell us that if he didn't know that he could make us speak on a level that goes beyond our understanding. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and that's where you'll answer from your heart. And be ready. That means preparation. Ready. Be ready. Always. Do you go to work every day always ready, full of the word? Have you prayed up? Have you read up? Have you studied up, meditated on the word? To give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. And that fear just means uh, with reverence. So you, fear, you know, reverently and meekly answer every man all the time. Now, two guys stand there at work. Well, I don't see anything wrong with abortion. And Christian should be saying, yeah, but Jeremiah says, I knew you before you were in your mother's room. And the Ten Commandments says that thou shalt not murder. And the Bible says this and it says that. Well, I don't see anything wrong with shacking up with my girlfriend. Well, the Word of God says that that's fornication. It says fornicators have their place in the lake of fire. And really, it's not an expression of love. It's an expression of your selfishness. I mean, you might not want to say it like that, but be nice. (laughs) But now that they're asking you, but, but you should, no matter what the conversation comes up, you need to have the Word on the issue. Don't interject yourself, but if they ask you, everybody say, if they ask me. Don't force, don't force the word onto people. It says, answer their questions. Can I get an amen? amen. Like they're saying this, and they're arguing. It says, yeah, that, you're a churchgoer. What do you think? 
See, this happened to me all the time. I never said anything. They always came around and asked me, and I gave such good biblical answers, they always knew if they came to me, they'd get the final word on it. I witnessed every single person I ever worked with. I never not. Paul said, I gave all of you the whole counsel of God, house to house, publicly. I preached to you the whole counsel of God. I did not shun to preach to you the whole counsel of God to all of you, and therefore I'm free from the blood of all men. You read that in Acts 20th chapter? You should be telling everybody. You should always be looking for a way to get into a biblical conversation. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, if they, if they just won't do it, then mind your own business. Don't be, don't be forcing it. But be smart enough to throw a little salt out there and get them thirsty and get them ask some questions. Amen? amen? So always, every man with meekness for the hope that lies within you. Biblical reasons. Give an answer. Well... Because you're a sinner and you're going to hell is one, one answer. That's why I need to talk to you about it. Now, again, you don't, you don't talk to people like that. I can joke around in church like this because we all know the Pastor Bill just jokes around like that. But it's a serious business and you need to be very respectful, reverent, and meek. I'll, say, I'll be reverent and I'll be meek even though they're, they're sinful people. I'm still going to show them respect. I'm still going to be meek around them even though I can't believe how they don't know anything. I can't believe how stupid their thinking is. But you don't act that way. You stay meek and you stay reverent. Can I get an amen? amen. I can't believe, and I, I'll tell you, I'll be real honest. I can't believe how people think today. Can you? It's idiotic. But you just act like they're the king. You just treat them like a million bucks when you witness to them. Can I get an amen? amen. We need to love them. We need to be reverent. We need to be meek and humble. When we're preaching to him. Of course, I preach bold here because we all know, uh, and, and you know how I am, that you know, I, I try to provoke you to do these things. I try to provoke you to think like this because we're supposed to be bold. We're not supposed to be fearful. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, we need to give an answer. Turn to Acts 8, 29 through 35. We know that there was a guy who was looking for an answer. Man, I tell you, there's people all over the world looking for answers. The world is filled with ignorance, and people are looking for answers. Nobody will give a straight answer, because they're operating out of the covenant of tolerance. I'll tolerate your sin, and then you've got to tolerate my sin. And we, we'll tell each other's lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Because, you know, if we ever really told the truth, we know we'd all have to repent. That's the covenant of tolerance. I'll accept your sin and act like I don't even realize your sin, and you act that way towards all my sins. And we'll get along just great. That's how the world operates. How many of you know that's true? Now, where did I say to go? Oh, Acts. Let's go over to Acts. Eighth chapter, Philip the Evangelist. Everybody say, the Evangelist. And in Acts 8, 29 through 35, and it says this. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to that chariot. Now, now I'm just going to go up a verse. We'll go to verse... You know, in 20, I'll just read the whole thing. And the angel of the Lord, verse 26, spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is in the desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man, an Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Everybody say, he's a seeker. Because he didn't know what he was worshiping yet, and he, and he admits to that. And returning and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. So he goes to Jerusalem to worship. He picks up a Jewish 
Torah, or, uh, Old Testament and starts reading it. Now, here's a guy that's not a Jew. That's why it says he's an Ethiopian. And the Spirit said, Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understands what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Well, he explains it to him. He preaches the gospel to him and he gets him saved. How many of you know there's people that are needing an answer? Turn with me to Second Chronicles, ninth chapter, quickly. Here's another non-Jewish, non-believer comes to one who is. We're in Second Chronicles. In the ninth chapter, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with her hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company of camels and bare spices and gold and abundance and precious stones. And when she had come to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart, and Solomon told her all her questions. How many know we need to be ready to give an answer? And Solomon told her all her questions. Everybody say, all her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. She saw this wonderful place that he built. It says she was breathless uh, over there. The spirit went out from her, verse 4, it says, and she was breathless in one translation. And she says, blessed be the Lord, verse 8, blessed be the Lord thy God. Wow. She calls him the Lord, and she says, your God. Blessed be the Lord, he's the head honcho, the one that is your God. You know, they believed in many gods. Because he could answer all of her questions. So when you answer questions, it gets people's attention. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. That's why it says in Second Timothy, study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. That word approved really needs to be looked into. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Wow. I believe this. You know, when I went to Raymond, the more I knew the word, the more I got sent on assignments by God. And I remember working with Steve Sarig. He was working on the church way back when we redid the church here. And he had several carpenters working for him. How many of you have seen in my office all the wonderful word work, the, pan, the, the wainscoting and the coffered ceilings and all that? It was either throw the money away and give it back to the uh, insurance company or have that done because we had a whole bunch of paneling, this ugly old 1960s paneling. And believe you me, it was ugly. It was really ugly. But the type of insurance we had, which was full replacement, we had to get replacement for all that paneling. We had really ugly old lights, but they were assessed at like a thousand bucks a piece. They sensed all that paneling. And, either, and I didn't want paneling out here. I wanted it to be light in here. And so it was either get something paneled with like, you know, substances paneling, or it was let the insurance keep the money. And I'm not going to do that. We're going to find a way to panel something so we get every penny out of that insurance company that we've put into it. Can I get an amen? That's called being a good steward. And he went in there, and 
I can remember that he, had, he was like the head carpenter, and he had another guy that was working for him who was a carpenter. And there was another job calling that needed some special trim work done. And I can remember Steve Sarig saying this. Sarig Builders are big builders here in Pella and Oskaloosa. Very well known, big name. Do a lot of houses. He said, well, he said, uh, I guess I'm going to have to go because I can't send, I won't say his name, so-and-so. Because he's not qualified to go. He'll probably go botch it up. He's not qualified yet to be able to do that. So I'm not going to send him. I'll go do it myself. And I was really kind of surprised because I thought this guy was really good. But Steve knew that the level of expertise, this thing that needed to be done at this other house, that he was probably the only one who was approved. And he didn't say that this guy's not approved, but he obviously, because he wasn't qualified, he wasn't good enough to do it, he was not approved by Steve to be able to go do that. A lot of people, the reason why you don't have any divine appointments and you never get sent to somebody, you don't have supernatural uh, witnessing sessions, is because you haven't shown yourself approved yet. You haven't gotten to a level yet. Now, I'm not trying to do this to put you down or, or anything like that, but I'm just saying, sometimes we aren't approved yet for that level of service. Can I get an amen? It's a study to show yourself approved. A workman. See, he had to work at being a good carpenter till he was good enough to show himself approved to go be a workman in that level of expertise. So study, you know, a lot of people never will study enough to ever be approved by God to do certain areas of of witnessing that they're supposed to be doing. Many are called, but few are chosen, the Bible says. Many are called, but few qualify themselves. It says you make your election, your calling and election sure. God doesn't. You make your calling and election sure, it says in 1 Peter 1.10. You do it. It says in 1 Timothy, it says there are a, a large house of many vessels, and some of the vessels are, are uh, wood and clay, and then there are some that are silver and gold. And it says the way that you become a vessel of silver and gold is if you purge yourself. This is something God does for you. Salvation is free. It's all by grace. But you developing yourself is a result of you doing it. And it says, and then it goes on, it says this very strange word in the King James. It says that you may be meat for the master's use. I thought, what does meat mean? It says that you purge yourself so you can become a vessel of gold, and, which is a vessel of honor, so that you can be meat. And that word meat means so that you can be qualified for the master's use. How many of you want to be qualified for the master's use? Well, you're going to have to study to show yourself approved. You know, the bar exam, you can go through law school, but if you don't pass the bar, you won't be approved to practice law. You, you, can, you can become an electrician, but if you don't pass the certification exam, you'll not be approved to go out and practice electricity. You can be a dentist, you can be a doctor, you can be a lot of things, but if you don't pass the final examinations, and I don't know what they're called in medicine, but I'm sure Dr. Lonnie could tell us about it, they're not going to let you practice medicine because you're not approved yet. See, if we don't study the Word of God and show ourselves approved, we can't answer adequately every man as we ought to all the time. Somebody say amen. It takes some study before God's really going to use you for divine appointments and sending you out and doing things. Now, you can do a certain amount of being a witness. You can share your testimony. You can do a lot of good things. But how many of you want to go from being clay and wood to silver and gold? Two or three? Anybody else want to? I think we all ought to want to be silver and gold for the Lord, qualified for the master's use. So we want to develop ourselves. Amen. 
And some people don't get sent like Philip did. Because some people might not have been able to explain to him what Isaiah, who Isaiah was talking about. Because he had a question about Isaiah 53, who that was talking about. And Philip was qualified enough in the word to explain to him what that was talking about. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, I like what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're only going to get through the first two tonight. But it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and right before that, it says to make your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. So you make your body a sacrifice in your mind that you might be able. Everybody say that you might be able. That you might be able to prove that good and that acceptable and that perfect will of God. You cannot prove the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God until you've renewed your mind and made your body a living sacrifice. Oh, you can try to. You can try to prove God's will in your life or do God's will. You can try to do God's will, but you can't do it without a renewed mind. You can't do it without a laid down body. You will go to church. Body, you will get up. Body, you will go serve. Body, you will sit down and study and read. Body, you will quit sinning like that. Until you get your body under control, and that'll come as you renew your mind, you cannot do God's will. You think you can just do it out of willpower. You can't. You have to be renewed. Everybody say, I must be renewed. And my body must be put under and made a servant. So you cannot prove the good and acceptable perfect will of God and not have a renewed mind. Oh, you might think you can, but you're really not. See, you cannot go out and be used until you're approved as a workman. You've got to get approved as a workman. Turn to your neighbor and say, we've got to be approved as workmen. We've got to have God's approval because we've studied. We've got to have a renewed mind. Now, I'd like to tell you we don't have to do anything and we're just going to be used all over the place. I'd like to say that. I'd like to believe that, but we've got to do some changes in our life to be effective. Somebody say amen. To be qualified for the master's use. Everybody say, I'm going to get myself qualified. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to put my body under. I'm going to make my body a, a, a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service. Amen. And you learn by doing. Jesus said, you'll know if the doctrine is true if you do it. You'll know if it's true by doing it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll know if a gun works by using it. I'll know if it's sighted in by using it. I'll know if my scope is on by using it. That's the only way I'm going to find out if it's working true, if it's tried and true. You're going to have to do it, and then you'll find out what's really true. You can have pie-in-the-sky preaching, but until you start doing it, that, that's when you'll find out what's really true. And so that is something we've got to do is be ready to give an answer to every man. Number one, everybody say we've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost, empowered. And then we've got to be able to give an answer. Amen. Because it's preach the gospel, then these signs will follow. So when we get those two things down, t- next week we're going to hit two more things how it's very important that we are able uh, to get these four things down and it'll make you a far greater soul winner. How many of you want to be a greater soul winner? Yeah. And we just got to face the facts. We got to face the, re- the hard realities that s- getting saved is by grace. Getting saved is easy. It's just basically giving in. Getting saved is not doing it yourself. But being qualified 
becomes our responsibility. There's a world of difference between being saved and being qualified to go out and, and get others saved. Now, it's by grace, but we access that grace through knowledge. It says that peace, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. How many want grace and peace multiplied to you? I want grace multiplied in my life, but it's through the knowledge of God. It isn't just by nothingness. It's by the knowledge of God. So we're going to get increased. We're going to become better soul winners. And we're going to begin winning those people around us in life. How many of you want to get the people at work saved? How many want to get the rest of your family saved? How many want to get your old friends saved? How many want to make sure your kids are saved? And your relatives get saved? See, this is the training room right here. Listening to the word of God and preparing uh, for those things is what changes it.